Hello, and welcome to Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality, the podcast. Written by Eliezer Yudkowsky, read by Emiash Brodsky, based on the works of J.K. Rowling. Second half of Chapter 111, Failure, Part 1. The defense professor collapsed, and the too tall figure sat up upon the altar. It swung around smoothly and stood tall upon the ground, at least a head higher than a normal man. The form's limbs were lean and pale, little muscled but giving an impression of terrible strength. Harry took another staggering step back, his hands still clasped to his scar. Though the distance between them was wide, Harry felt a sense of terrifying apprehension in the air, as though the sense of doom had always been out of focus, and had now clarified, concentrated into a physical pain in the scar on Harry's forehead. Was that what Voldemort was supposed to look like? The nose looked like... it looked like it had malfunctioned during the resurrection process. The too tall figure threw back his head and laughed, raising his hands and wand to look at them. The left hand opened wide, and it was like a pale half-spider with four overlong legs, fingers caressing the wand held in the other hand. Leaves stirred up from the graveyard, approaching to dance around the too tall figure, surrounding him and clothing him, reforming into a high-necked shirt and flowing robes and Lord Voldemort was laughing. Exactly the mirthless laughter that Harry remembered coming from his own throat inside the Dementor's nightmare, precise in tone and timber. Red eyes gleamed beneath the fading twilight, their pupils slitted like a cat's. The form that Voldemort had abandoned raised itself, quivering from the ground, and in a voice that Harry could barely hear, Quirinus Quirrell gasped, Free! Oh, free! Stupefy! said the high, cold voice of Voldemort, and Quirinus Quirrell was blasted down into the ground. Then, with a wave of Voldemort's other hand, Quirinus Quirrell was picked up and flung away from the altar. Voldemort walked away from the altar, then turned and looked at Harry, and the pain in Harry's scar flared at it. Frightened child! Voldemort hissed, like there was an undercurrent of parcel tongue, even to the Dark Lord's human speech. Good. Place the girl on the altar and break your transfiguration. It's time for me to revive her. Is this really going to happen? Are we really going to do this? Harry swallowed, mastering his fear through the note of impossible hope amid the confusion, and walked over to the altar. Then Harry took off his left shoe and his left sock and took off the toe ring that was Hermione Granger, the transfigured shape identical to the toe ring that had been given Harry as an emergency port key. There was a twinge of regret in Harry for not having the real port key now, but only a twinge. An inner circle Death Eater would routinely put up boundaries against portkeys if Severus had been right. Behind Harry, Voldemort laughed again in what sounded like surprised appreciation. I need my wand to finite her. You do not. You learn to sustain a transfiguration by touch alone without further use of the wand. 
You can likewise break your own transfiguration wantlessly by commanding your sustaining magic to drain away. Do so now. Harry swallowed and touched the toe ring. He had to try three times and clear his mind before he could push his magic out of the toe ring, as before he had learned to make a tiny stream of magic flow in. The breaking of the spell went much more slowly that way than a finite incantatum, almost like the sped-up reverse of watching something being transfigured. The toe ring distorted, flowing together, expanding. Colors changed, textures changed. Two-thirds of a dead girl lay strewn across the altar, on her side with one arm falling off the altar's edge, the position in which the reversion had chanced to place her. No blood flowed now from the chewed stumps of her thighs. The dead girl wore Hermione Granger's face, but twisted and pale. It was as Harry had seen before in the hospital's back room. The image burned into his brain during thirty long minutes of transfiguration. The image he had reproduced during four even longer hours to transfigure the decoy. The dead girl was naked, for her clothes were not part of her and had not been transfigured. The sight brought back flashbacks of the hours spent in the infirmary room, of the nightmares afterward, all of which Harry suppressed. Go back. This is my work now. Harry swallowed and retreated from the altar to the mouth of the long corridor where he'd stood before. Her body is, should be, around five Celsius. I cooled her so, so there wouldn't be brain damage. Is he really going to do this? Really? There had to be a catch, and Harry just couldn't see it. Voldemort had said that neither he nor any of his would harm Hermione, that her body and mind would be her own. Why? Voldemort walked forth to the altar once more, orienting the body before him with a wave of his hand to lie straight across the altar. The Dark Lord spoke with high, monotone precision. Flesh, 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 so wisely hidden. The obelisks began chanting once more. New flesh flowed out of the stumps of the girl's thighs, creeping forward like an ooze and solidifying. The obelisks ceased chanting. A complete form lay naked upon the altar. It didn't look like Hermione. A Hermione Granger should be standing up and talking. She should have her Hogwarts uniform. Voldemort raised a hand, then hissed as though in annoyance. With a violent gesture, the robes around Quirinus Quirrell's sleeping form were torn in half. His purple and green tie shredded, and his suit jacket drawn from him to where Voldemort stood. Some part of Harry flinched, as if seeing the Dark Lord Voldemort attacking Professor Quirrell. Voldemort plunged his hand deliberately into the suit jacket, which jerked as though something were being broken. Then Voldemort shook out the suit jacket onto the ground beside him, emptying out the contents. Harry's pouch fell from it, and his time-turner, and a broomstick, and Voldemort's gun, and the cloak, and a number of amulets and rings and stranger devices that Harry did not recognize, and finally a chunk of red glass, which was laid upon Hermione Granger's form and allowed to stay there for a time. Minutes passed. 
the Dark Lord donned an amulet from the heap of things beside the altar. Also from the heap, Voldemort took four short wooden rods with straps upon them and reached beneath his robes to attach them. It looked like they went on his upper arms and upper thighs. The Dark Lord rose into the air, moved left, right, up and down, seeming to wobble slightly at first. Then his flight stabilized. The chunk of red glass turned, slightly. The Dark Lord Voldemort floated to the ground and prodded Hermione Granger's body with his wand. There is an obstacle. In Harry's mind, the expectation of betrayal or other failure had already been so strong that the confirmation came only as a dull shock, not a sharp one. What obstacle? Girl's body is restored, substance is repaired, but not magic or life. This is body of dead muggle. Voldemort turned from the altar, began to pace. The full ritual would solve this, but that would require time. Time in the blood of Granger's enemy, and I do not think Draco Malfoy still qualifies. Nor can I take my own blood unwillingly. Foolish. Foolish! I should have foreseen this, and prepared. A brain might awaken with an electrical shock. I know that much of muggle medicine, but would her magic return to her? That I do not know. And I suspect if she awakens as a muggle, she will be a muggle forever. Still, I can think of nothing better. The Dark Lord raised his wand. Wait! Harry blurted, feeling hope return. She needs a spark of life and magic, just a spark to get her started. Voldemort turned and looked at him. The snake-like face showed some slight degree of surprise. Think I have something that might work. Needs wand. Have no intentions to use it against you. Harry said nothing about expecting his intentions wouldn't change. He'd simply blurted out the idea fast enough that he hadn't formed any specific intentions yet. This I desire to see. The Dark Lord reached into the heap of things by the altar and picked up the wrapped form of Harry's wand. It was thrown, gliding through the air and then dropping at Harry's feet. And then the Dark Lord floated back, the heap of things moving smoothly backwards with him. Harry unwrapped his wand and moved forward. We have our wand back. That's step one, said the last voice, the voice of hope. No part of Harry had any idea what step two might be, but it was still step one accomplished. And Harry stood before the reformed body of Hermione Granger, who was still naked and dead, on a twilight-lit stone altar. Lord Voldemort, I beg you, please give her some clothes. It might help me do this. Granted. The pain in Harry's scar flared as the naked girl's body lifted into the air, then flared again as dead leaves danced around her and she was clothed in the seeming of a Hogwarts uniform, though the trim was red instead of blue. Hermione Granger's hands folded over her chest, her legs straightened, and her body drifted back down. Harry looked at her, focused on her, now that she looked human again. She looks like she's sleeping, not dead. 
It took a conscious effort to look for breathing, fail to see it, and make the deduction. So far as naked perception was concerned, Hermione might as well be alive right now. That Hermione Granger would not approve of this situation, taken as a whole, seemed beyond question. But it didn't mean that she would rather stay dead than be alive, other things being equal, though they might not be. Because you wish to live. Because my best guess is that you would wish to live. Harry reached out his shaking left hand and touched Hermione's forehead. It was warm now, not the chill of five degrees Celsius. Either Voldemort had increased her body temperature to normal, or the magic of the ritual had done it automatically. Which meant that Hermione's brain was currently warm and without oxygen, come to think of it. That did it, the sense of urgency rising in him. Harry's feet assumed the stance, his wand swung up to point at Hermione Granger's dead body. The only thing wrong with Hermione's body was that it was dead. Everything else about that body was right. Only one thing needed changing. You don't belong here, Death. Expecto! Harry shouted, feeling the magic and the life rise up into the Patronus charm that was fueled by both. Patronum! The girl in the Hogwarts uniform was surrounded by a blazing aura of silver fire as the Patronus was born inside her. Harry staggered as he felt a dip, a bite. Intuition, or Tom Riddle's memory, told Harry that the life and magic that had just flowed into Hermione would never return to him, either one. It hadn't been all his life or all his magic, not by a long shot. There hadn't been time to expend that much. But whatever he'd just expended was gone forever. And Hermione Granger was breathing, just like she was sleeping, rhythmic inhalations and exhalations. The twilight sky had dimmed further, and Harry could not see if color was returning to her. But it should have been. It certainly should have been. She looked to be sleeping peacefully, and it wasn't because being dead looked like sleeping. It was because she was asleep, and her body was fine, and nothing was hurting her while she slept. Some part of Harry, that had somehow managed not to speak up earlier, quietly pointed out that they were still in a graveyard, the recently victorious Lord Voldemort was still in control of the situation, and that his guess about Hermione wanting to be alive was just a guess. Harry was still smiling as he slowly lowered his wand. The celebratory fireworks going off inside his mind were restrained. Harry wasn't screaming and running around in little circles like Professor Flitwick. But that... That... Harry said aloud inside his mind. That is what I call step two. Interesting. Your Patronus draws upon your life as well as your magic. I guessed that much, for it was too powerful for a first year to fuel with magic alone. And yet, there must be more to the puzzle, since not just any light-fueled spell would have done. Was your happy thought the image of her returning to life? Was that all it took? Voldemort was again toying with his wand, a dark interest in those red-slitted eyes. 
I suspect I will feel quite stupid when I finally comprehend that spell someday in my eternity. Now step away from the girl. There is more work I intend to do to give her best chance of continued life. Harry stepped back reluctantly, the sense of tension starting to return to him. He almost tripped over one haphazard grave marker as the Dark Lord continued to walk forward. Standing before the altar, the Dark Lord laid one finger upon Hermione Granger's forehead. Then the Dark Lord tapped his finger upon Hermione Granger's forehead and said, in a voice so low Harry almost did not hear, Resquiescus. Voldemort waved his hand at an obelisk, which began to rotate, turning itself to lay flat upon the ground, pointing outward. Fascinating indeed. She is alive and magical, and not another Tom Riddle as I feared you might have made her. The tension was rising again in Harry. He'd put his wand away into the back belt of his pants. He did not want to remind Voldemort that he still had the wand on him. What are you doing to her now? Another obelisk turned, lay flat upon the ground. There is old lost ritual to sacrifice magical creature, transfer magical nature to subject. Limitations are great. Transfer is temporary, only few hours. Subject sometimes dies when transfer wears off. But stone will make permanent. Four obelisks lay flat upon the ground, evenly spaced. The other two obelisks had been floated away. Voldemort began to reach into his own mouth, checked himself, hissed with annoyance again. <sighs> he gestured at the sleeping mouth of Quirinus Quirrell, and from Quirrell's mouth floated up two teeth, almost invisible in the falling night. One of these went to the pile of items. The other floated up to before the altar. Moments later, Harry cried out and took a step back. Huge and misshapen, lumpy skin, legs as thick as tree trunks, a small head that looked like a coconut perched upon a boulder. A mountain troll stood within the circle of obelisks, motionless as though asleep while standing. What are you doing?! Voldemort's mouth was stretched in a wide smile. It looked horrible on him, like his face had too many teeth. Shall sacrifice my fallback weapon, and girl child shall gain troll's power of regeneration. Transfiguration sickness is nothing before that, if perchance it was not fixed by previous ritual. And no knife shall slay girl child, nor cutting curse, nor sickness take her. Why, why are you doing this? Have not tiniest intention of letting girl child die again, after going to such lengths to resurrect her. Harry swallowed. I'm very confused. Was Voldemort practicing being nice? This hypothesis did not seem like a sufficient explanation. Stay well back. This ritual is darker than the last. The Dark Lord began a new chant, softer syllables that seemed to see through the air like living things. 
and Harry, feeling a new surge of apprehension, stepped backwards. Then Harry cried aloud as Ah! pain flared again through his scar. The mountain troll crumbled in on itself, becoming ashes hanging in the air, then dust. And then the dust seemed to blow away without going anywhere. It was gone. Hermione Granger slept on peacefully, whatever spell of repose Voldemort had cast on her being sufficient to the task. Um, did it work? Defendo. Harry stepped forward with a choked yell, and then halted, both as the stupidity of his motion caught up with him, and as the sudden cut that the severing charm had opened on Hermione's leg closed almost as quickly as it had been made. In seconds, there was only a light stain of blood on the surrounding flesh. The stone was laid again on Hermione, and after a time, it turned. Voldemort laughed once more as he passed his hand over her. Marvelous. Then another tiny tooth was floating within the circle of obelisks, and an instant later, a unicorn stood where the troll had stood before, eyes dull and head bowed. What? Why a unicorn? Power of unicorn's blood to preserve life makes excellent combination with troll's healing. Only fiend fire and killing curse shall girl child fear from this day. A flicker of snakish laughter. Besides, had spare unicorn left over, might as well use. Unicorn's blood has side effects. That is only when power of unicorn's blood is stolen by another. This spell will make power of unicorn belong inside girl child, as if she was always born that way. The grim chant and its seething words began again. Harry watched, not understanding in the slightest. Forget understanding. What am I seeing? I'm seeing the Dark Lord Voldemort going to enormous lengths to resurrect Hermione Granger and keep her alive. It's like he thinks that his own life depends on Hermione Granger being alive, somehow. The confused parts of Harry looked around for a procedure to follow. Make a prediction based on your best current hypothesis was the first thought that came to mind, but it didn't seem to lead anywhere. The plot of the story wasn't going how it ought to after the villain had won. Again, the blaze of pain in his scar, like a blow to Harry's forehead. The unicorn swayed and then disintegrated as the troll had done. The Dark Lord laid the stone upon Hermione's form once more, clasping her hands around it. Voldemort watched the unremarkable process for a time, then turned while the stone still laid on her, making a high humming sound in his throat. Ah, hmm. uh, yes, that would be most appropriate. Do you still have the diary I gave you, boy? The diary of the famous scientist? Harry's brain took a moment to place what Voldemort was talking about. It had been in Mary's room, in Mary's place, in October. That precious gift from a friend. The thought should have triggered a wave of awful sadness for the Professor Quirrell that had been lost or never real. But there had been enough of that emotion already, and his brain had set it aside for now. Yes, 
I think it's in my pouch. Can I check? Harry knew it was in his pouch. He loaded it up with everything that he might possibly conceivably need, that he owned or had bought, everything that could have been a quest item. From the heap of items by the altar, Harry's mokeskin pouch was drawn out, tossed to Harry's feet. Roger Bacon's diary, Harry said as he reached in a hand and the diary appeared. Professor Quirrell had said that the diary would emerge unscathed from a fire, so Harry threw it toward Voldemort's altar. Harry did not wince. There were more important things to worry about than polite treatment of books, even that one. Voldemort picked up the diary, examining it, appearing quite absorbed. Harry, as quietly and unobtrusively as he could, attached the pouch to his belt loop in back, where it wouldn't be visible, near where Harry had put his wand. Step 3. The Pouch Yes! Voldemort hissed as he flipped pages of the diary. This will do quite well! The stone moved slightly, and the Dark Lord's other hand stored the stone again within his robes. What was your hidden purpose behind the diary? Harry said when the pouch was attached to his belt and he'd put both of his empty hands where Voldemort could see them again. I tried translating a little at the beginning, but it was going slowly. Actually, it had been excruciatingly slow, and Harry had found other priorities. Diary was exactly what it seemed. A gift meant to seduce you to my side. Voldemort made intricate gestures in the air with his wand, not even looking at what his hand was doing as he held the diary in his other hand. For a moment, Harry thought he could see a trail of darkness in the air, but the moonlight was too faint for certainty. And now, my dear boy... Voldemort's high voice was laced with grim amusement as his wand briefly tapped Hermione Granger's forehead with a casual gesture. I make this diary into a far more precious gift, a sign of how much wisdom I have learned from you, for I would never want you to be deprived of Hermione Granger's counsel and restraint, not ever while the stars yet live. Avada Kedavra! The green bolt of the killing curse blazed out faster than Harry could possibly have cast the Patronus charm, faster than he could possibly have moved. It was already over, even as Harry cried out and went for his wand. Quirinus Quirrell's unconscious body did not even jerk in death. The green light struck into it without other sign. Darkness glowed in the air, anti-light in the trails that Voldemort had made before and the diary of Roger Bacon darkened as though corruption were creeping over it, even as a shiver appeared in the air around Hermione Granger's form. The pain in Harry's scar flared overwhelmingly, like a brand driven into his forehead. It sent Harry dodging unthinkingly to one side as Tom Riddle's reflexes took over, and Voldemort was also screaming, shrieking as he dropped the diary to the ground holding his own head and screaming. Chance! The last voice of hope said that, as Harry tried frantically to think, to understand. There wasn't any point in trying to kill Voldemort now. It might only annoy him. Weapons couldn't kill him while any of his hundreds of horcruxes remained. But it still seemed worth it to temporarily disincarnate Voldemort, take the stone and Hermione, and run. 
Harry's right hand had already taken his wand. His left hand went around to his back, reached awkwardly into his pouch, began to make a silent sign. Three English letters. No! Voldemort had dropped his hands from his head, was staring at Hermione's body as though bewildered. No! No! The item came up from Harry's pouch into his hand, and Harry began to step forward as smoothly as he could, diminishing the range between them to what his brief trials had shown was doable. My great creation! Voldemort's voice was high, sounding panicked. Two different spirits cannot exist in the same world! It is gone! It is severed! Horcrux! I must make a Horcrux at once! Voldemort's gaze fell on Hermione Granger's still sleeping form, and he began to raise his wand in the air, executing the same gestures as before. Harry raised his gun and pulled the trigger three times. End chapter 111 As the next chapter is very short, it will be going up next week, rather than in two weeks as usual. Thank you to the following people. Lord Voldemort, Alexander Jackson. This chapter's original text, production notes, and attribution links, along with archives and much more, can be found at hpmorpodcast.com. If you would like to learn more about the art of rationality, please visit lesswrong.com, an online community of aspiring rationalists founded by Eliezer Yudkowsky. Some sound effects used are courtesy of the Free Sound Project. The music used is The Fall by Ministry. Thank you for listening, and come back next week for Chapter 112, Failure, Part 2. Part 2.